And we've moved through Colossians um, quite rapidly, haven't we? We've come to the end today. This will be our last um, uh, message from that. And then in the next few weeks, we'll be looking at uh, specifically at the issue of prayer. And today's message is on prayer too. Paul talks about that here. So we're going to be having about three weeks where we'll be looking at prayer together, which is uh, going to be exciting, I think, for all of us. We can all learn more and be encouraged more with prayer. So let's, uh, let, let me read. Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 to 18. Paul writes, Devote yourself to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Don't forget to pray for us too, that God will give us many opportunities to preach about his secret plan, that Christ is also for you Gentiles. That is why I am here in chains. Pray that I will proclaim this message as clearly as I should. Live wisely among those who are not Christians and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and effective so that you will have the right answer for everyone. Tychicus, a much-loved brother, will tell you how I am getting along. He's a faithful helper who serves the Lord with me. I have sent him on this special trip to let you know how we are doing and to encourage you. I'm also sending Onesimus, a faithful, much-loved brother, one of your own people. He and Tychicus will give you all the latest news. Aristarchus, who is in prison with me, sends you his greetings, and so does Mark, Barnabas's cousin. And as you were instructed before, make Mark welcome if he comes your way. Jesus, the one we call Justice, also sends his greetings. These are the only Jewish Christians among my co-workers. They are working with me here for the kingdom of God. And what a comfort they have been. Epaphras, from your city, a servant of Christ Jesus, sends you his greeting. He always prays earnestly for you, asking God to make you strong and perfect, fully confident in the whole will of God. I can assure you that he has agonised for you and also for the Christians in Laodicea and Heriopolis. Dear Dr. Luke sends his greetings and so does Demas. Please give my greetings to our Christian brothers and sisters at Laodicea and to Nympha and those who meet in her house. After you have read this letter, pass it on to the church at Laodicea so they can read it too. And you should read the letter I wrote to them. And say to Acrippus, be sure to carry out the work the Lord gave you. Here is my greeting in my own handwriting. Paul, remember my chains. May the grace of God be with you. Let's pray together, shall we? God, we come before you and we give you great praise this morning and thanks. We give you praise and thanks this morning because you, our God, are above anything else in this whole world, 
anything that has ever been created. And nothing compares to you. For God, you are the uncreated one. You are the one who always was and who always is and always will be. So we praise you. God, we give you thanks for your son, Jesus, who is above all. Through you, Lord Jesus, all things were made. And in you, all things hold together. And this morning, Jesus, we want to give you praise that you live in us and you reign in us. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for your power that is at work in our lives. Oh, we want to thank you, God, that we're able to put to death sin by nailing it to the cross. You have paid the price in full, and we, your people, are thankful. Oh, God, we pray this morning that you would help us to continue to put to death our sinful nature. And may we just cast off the clothes that tangle us down in life. And God, may we be trusting in your power to live the Christian life, clothed with a whole new wardrobe. Oh God, we pray that the way that we live in Christ would affect our homes, our marriages, the relationship that we have with our children, with those who are our bosses at work and those who we are over also at work. God, may our whole lives be changed because you, Christ, are above all and living in us. And God, we would pray that we would be those that would be constantly in prayer, that more and more people would come to know this great mystery, that you, living God, live in us. Oh God, we thank you for this church, for people that gather each week, for people that uh, trust in you, and God, as we go out each week into the, the city of Wodonga and into Albury and all the places around, oh God, we pray that you would help us to be those that live lives that honour you, that make the most of every opportunity so that many, many more would come to know the wonderful joy that we have of knowing you. So here we are, God. This morning we just say, speak to us, challenge us this morning and have your way in our lives. God, in this world where there is so much suffering, so much pain and people uh, in so much uh, poverty, so much sickness around us, so much war at this time, God, we just know that people need to know that you have died for them, that you can forgive them and that they can have new life in you. So we want to thank you, God. We ask that you would speak to us as we continue to worship you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Annie. Might just move this down here, I think. Uh, if you want to do some things, it uh, takes a bit of practice and perseverance, some things, don't they? Um, I 
play golf last week. And uh, I think it was about at the second um, tee-off where I realised that I need to practice more. I think it just went right in the wrong direction. And the person I was playing with was very kind. They said, just grab another one and we'll start again. <laughs> um, if, you, if I want to improve in, in golf, I've got to play more than once every 10 years. That was the first time I played for about 10 years. And uh, so it takes persistence to grow as a golfer. Yesterday I went um, with Georgia, oh it was Friday, I went with Georgia who's our little five-year-old and uh, we, we're just saying, Georgia, come on, take off those training wheels and you've got to go for it, you've got to learn to ride, you know, it's time, it's time. And yet uh, it was, we ran out of time. We had like 25 minutes before we had to pick up uh, Alex from school and so because of the pressure and running along next to her and because of not enough time, she didn't really get as far as we wanted. You see, it takes perseverance to learn something and eventually you get the hang of it and it clicks in. You know, I've got to say there's lots of things that I have tried but because of a lack of perseverance um, have just not able to follow through on. I just love Anthea and Kathy and uh, Sandy and... Uh, no, not Sandy. Um, the, the people that play this beautiful instrument, Larry and all those people that do it. And so sometimes on my holidays, I've taken a bit of sheet music home and uh, taken it away with me on holidays and tried to write down the individual letters of each note on there so I can learn how to read the music. And, you know, once every holiday... It just doesn't get me very far. I'm about that far along of a big line. But if you want to do something that's worthwhile, uh, it takes perseverance, doesn't it? And so Paul today uh, in this chapter begins by saying, hey, uh, don't just think about prayer every once in a while. Don't just give it a go when you feel like it and hope that it all comes together. He begins by saying, devote yourself to prayer. Devote yourself to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Uh, this is uh, how he begins. And he's saying really that if you want to pray, church in Colossae that he's writing to, if you're going to pray, he said you're going to have to devote yourself and you're going to have to be persistent in prayer. Um, the, the kind of word devote is kind of like saying adhering in, keep adhering in, keep persisting in. It's persistence and devotion. And these are, these are things that are really characteristics that we all need, don't we? Uh, persistence and devotion. I know Georgia at uh, uh, Kinder, they teach them values and she's got this little song about peachy persistent. Do you want to hear it? It goes, I'm peachy, persistence. I never, ever, 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 ever give up. I'm preachy, persistence. I keep going like a garbage truck. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. Don't encourage me, don't encourage me. Um, but here, here they are in our kinders teaching our kids about persistence because once you start something that's worthwhile, you don't want to give up on that. You want to see it through and you want to keep doing it. And so Paul says, devote yourself. Be persistent. Persist in. Don't give up. 
Uh, he's saying, devote yourself to prayer. And, and he's saying, make this an activity that you would constantly be engaged in. Don't just do it on your holidays every once in a while. Don't just do it, you know, when you've got 25 minutes, just quickly, uh, every, every now and again. He's saying that we should persist in prayer. And Jesus um, said that too. Remember, he told the story of the persistent widow in Luke 18, 1 to 8. And he, he did this to show that we should not give up in prayer. He says that in the town there was a judge who neither feared God or cared about men. And then there was this widow who uh, was in the town and kept coming to the judge and pleading with the judge, saying, grant me justice, you know, give me justice. Uh, for some time he just refused. He said, even though I, uh, uh, I know what her problem is, I'm not going to respond. But then eventually he said, even though I fear God, I, I don't fear God or I don't care about men, wow, uh, because this widow keeps bothering me, I'll see that she gets justice. Just to get her off my back, he virtually says. And then she won't keep wearing me out with this coming day in and day out. And Jesus says, hey, if that's how this judge treats a persistent widow, how different it is for God who loves to answer prayer. And so he says, just keep persisting because God loves to answer prayer. So keep on, keep on. And then we read uh, all through the, the New Testament uh, how, God, how the Bible is using words about prayer which talk about the persistence that we need to have. In Acts 1, we read that they all joined together constantly in prayer. They were waiting for the Holy Spirit to come at Pentecost. And so they were found there in the upper room joining together constantly in prayer. Sounds like they were devoting themselves to me. And then in Acts 2, 42 and 46, it says that they devoted themselves to prayer. In Romans 12, 12, Paul writes, hey, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction and faithful in prayer. Um, right through the writers of the New Testament want us to know that prayer is something that you shouldn't give up in. It's something that you should, shouldn't say, well, I tried that, but it didn't work for me. The, the writers of the New Testament are saying, we must keep on with this. Now, why would Paul write this to the church in Colossae? And why would he say to them, you know, don't, don't give up, uh, keep persevering? Well, I think we know enough about the church at Colossae to know that there was a lot of false teaching going on at that time, you know, and they'd heard the word from Epaphras and they'd, they would, had believed it and received it, but now they were tempted uh, to lose their way. And so Paul says, hey, in the midst of this church in Colossae, I, I want you to keep devoting yourself to prayer. I want you to keep devoting and not give up. This is a crucial time for you, young church, he's saying. It was crucial. I think the other reason Paul would say to devote ourselves to prayer is because I think he must have known how hard it is to keep praying, how easy it is to give up in prayer. There are so many distractions, aren't there, in life? I mean, if you've ever really tried to set aside regular time to pray, the phone rings, doesn't it? You feel tired. 
The kids wake up early. The weather's bad. The dog barks. The neighbours pop in. Things always seem to go wrong. You name it, it seems to happen when you try and pray. And so it's right that Paul would say, well, don't give up just because the dog barks, just because the neighbours pop in. Keep persevering. Don't say, I tried it and give up. Keep going. Keep, keep persevering. And one of the things is that, that I, I think that Satan has on the top of his list is to stop Christians praying. He wants to distract us from prayer. He wants to frustrate us and make us give up because he knows that if we stop praying, then we're much more open to temptation. We're much more open to getting down about our faith, not seeing who God is, who he really is, not being thankful, not being people of praise. I was at a gathering of pastors uh, a couple of months ago and the leader of that gathering reflected to the group what most pastors wish they had done more of in the last three years. And what do you think it would have been? Prayer. Yeah. He really, as he reflected on this, the, the guy who was leading us, who, who got people's reflections every three years on what they had, their goals were and what they'd wanted to do. And he said, Uh, why do you think this is? And someone in the group said, well, I think it's because it's the unseen part. You know, a pastor gets in big trouble if they don't have the sermon done. But if they haven't prayed, no one really can see that. And so it's easy for it to slip. So I think it's why Paul would say, devote yourself to prayer. Uh, Paul would say, hey, when it comes to prayer, never give up. Be like that frog there on his last legs, but trying his hardest. Never give up. I think he says when you feel like you're just about to fall, hang in there, you know, with prayer. Don't turn your back on it. You know, don't let go of, uh, of, of prayer. And uh, <laughs> be ready. <laughs> when things try and put you off prayer, you just keep going. Uh, Paul, Paul doesn't say, just fall into prayer every now and again. He doesn't say, see if you've got time to pray at the end of the day. He says, devote yourself to prayer. I think that um, he might be meaning here that we should be like this little mouse and keep at it. I wonder about you this morning. How's your prayer life going? You know, when people look at you and say, devoted to prayer, that's for sure. Uh, would they look at your schedule and say, yes, devoted to prayer? Yeah. I wonder whether just in these moments we might just pause for a moment and just say, God, you know, when Paul says devoted to prayer, uh, yeah, I want to I wanna just say to you, I want to do that more. Maybe you might want to say that or maybe you might just say, God, thank you that I am devoted to prayer or God, what is the next thing that you want him to say to me? Let's just spend a few moments just saying, Yeah, God, help me be more devoted to prayer. Why don't we spend some moments of quietness? Oh, God, help us be tenacious. Help us never give up when it comes to prayer.
This is so important to you that we know you, that we communicate with you, that we're empowered by you. Help us never give up. In Jesus' name, amen. Paul goes on and he says, devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind, with an alert mind. Um, He says that, This means we're to be alert and ready when we're praying. Some uh, scholars who have looked at this sort of say that this, what what, what Paul's got in mind here is an alertness and a readiness that is around the the coming again of Christ. You know, what what Paul's saying is that in in that time, uh, the church in Colossae, remember we talked about that they had strong faith that was, you know, grounded in Jesus Christ, they had love for one another and they were living in the hope of the coming of Christ. And the writers say, this is the alertness. They're praying with an alertness, expecting Christ to come and he's coming to take place. So it's a, it's a being ready, knowing that Jesus is coming so that we're praying now, asking God for things, praying for things, keeping our eyes open, knowing that Christ might return at any moment. It's got an urgency about it, this saying, time's running out. You know, Jesus is going to be here. He's coming. And so we need to be praying for our friends and for our neighbours, for their ministry, for our, uh, our needs that we have, and to say, God, God, please come. In fact, uh, the prayer is, is Maranatha. You know, Lord, come. Come, Lord Jesus. It's on their heart. You know, in uh, Matthew 21 and verse uh, 26, Matthew chapter 26 and verse 41, Jesus says to the disciples, keep alert and pray. Otherwise, temptation will overpower you. For the spirit is willing enough, but the body is weak. He's saying, watch and pray. Watch and pray that you don't fall asleep. This was in the Garden of Gethsemane just before uh, Jesus was arrested. And you remember, they just kept falling asleep. And I think here, Paul's not only saying be alert and and praying persistently, uh, looking towards Christ coming, but be awake, be awake. So this kind of thing, Lord, I want to thank you for today. Had a really good day. And for Auntie Janice and Uncle Keith and be with... He's saying don't do that. Be alert, be ready. The prayers that you're praying are to the living God and he's coming again soon. So with the urgency, pray for people. Not only that, not only pray with an alert in the mind, but pray with a thankful heart, Paul says. Devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. This is kind of a thankful heart is an outward expression to God. Uh, an outward expression of gratitude and saying, thank you, God, for what you've done. Thank you. And what had he done for the church in Colossae? Where he'd delivered them, he'd rescued them from the kingdom of darkness and brought them into the kingdom of his son. He'd actually uh, transferred them into this kingdom and now they were going to share in the inheritance that was for all the saints as well. You know, we've talked about how all the great things that Christ has done for us that we've learnt through Colossians, haven't we? We've seen that 
Christ is the ultimate one and this ultimate one has come to live in us. He's nailed our sin to the cross as we put our trust in him that, that, that now we're able to um, have by his power to live, to take off our sinful nature, to put it to death and to clothe ourselves in righteousness. And, and then we've got a whole new wardrobe and now we're looking forward to coming and meeting with him again. So we, we've got lots to be thankful for. We've got an incredible amount to give thanks for. And so Paul says, when you're persisting in prayer, have an alert mind and a thankful heart. You know, this thankfulness is just displayed right through the Bible. I, I think about Mary when the, when, when the angel comes to her and says that she's going to give birth to a child. And she just bursts out in this song of thanks and praise to God. I think about Jesus in John 17 where he, where he says, I thank you, God, for all that you have given to me and all those that will come to know me in the future. I think about the psalmist who just writes over and over again, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Give thanks and praise his love endures. And over and over, thanks, 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 thanks. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 8. The writer says, give thanks in all circumstances. Give thanks and pray in all circumstances. Well, Jesus, God wants us to be people that are praying, giving thanks. And we become thankful people. So we're to persist in prayer and never give up. We're to be alert in our mind and thankful as we pray. And we're to uh, keep praying for those who are engaged in ministry. Look, look what it says here. It says, don't forget to pray for us too. This is Paul writing. That God will give us many opportunities to preach about his secret plan. That Christ is also for you Gentiles. That is why I am here in chains. That, uh, pray that I will proclaim this message as clearly as I should. Uh, Paul uh, says to the church in Colossae, would you pray for us? You know, he's told them time and time again that he's praying for them. He's told them that he's, 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 he's praying for them. And now he's saying, would you pray for me in my ministry? Would you pray that as I, as I minister, God would give me open doors, that there will be open doors for opportunities for people to hear the gospel? Would you pray? Would you pray? And so here's what, here's what he's saying crying out. And I wonder for us, as we think about uh, Paul's words, we, we can't pray for Paul's ministry anymore. It's finished. Uh, but we can pray for those who are in ministry now. I mean, there are lots of people who we can pray for. I think of uh, Scott Gervin in Malawi. Uh, he's uh, asked us to pray in his most recent prayer letter, um, while he's in Thailand at a leaders' conference and said, you know, would you pray for me while I'm there? Um, he's also asked us to pray for Catherine and Amy and Rachel. So that's his wife and two children while he's away. Um, we can pray for him. We can pray for new team members like John Wilmont who's arriving there. And, you know, John, he was the one that we sent that gift to um, from our our giving. We got over $10,000 and that's going to go and buy him a, a new vehicle that will help him to get from place to place to minister to all the people there. And we can pray that his ministry would be effective as he does that. 
We can pray that there would be protection for the children over snakes and and things in in there in Malawi. We can ask for protection against cerebral uh, malaria because Catherine uh, is having reactions to the vaccination and so she's in, in great risk. So we can pray for God's protection there. And pray for people who are in ministry and ministering. Now, not only do we need to pray for missionaries, but we can pray for people right here in our church. And I, I'd, I'd just love you to pray for me. I would just cherish your prayers. Every week as, as the week unfolds and as I wrestle with God's word and see, you know, how does this apply to our church and how does this apply to my life? I'd just love it if, if you can pray for me and pray that I'd do that well and with diligence and that the messages would be clear and easy to understand and able to live it in your life. There wouldn't be just information, but that God's spirit would speak to us and challenge us. I'd, I'd covet your prayers. Also pray for Phil, who uh, preaches you know, at night every second week, and for others that, pre- that preach as well. But not just preachers and teachers. Pray for your small group leader. You know, the, the one who wrestles together in leading the study each week and your ministry area leader or, or yourself as you're, as you're ministering as well. Let's pray for our church's ministry and keep praying. Paul says here, you know, that give us many opportunities. Pray for open doors, to, to open doors that we can preach about his secret plan. You know, we've got... Uh, we can keep praying that there would be open doors here in Wodonga, that more and more people would want to come and do our uh, courses that we offer, uh, to come to our church services, to come to our Christmas musical, to, to meet people in their, in their workplaces, that God would open doors just as we're meeting with them every day and we're with them. He says, that's why I'm here in chains. It's a telling reminder, isn't it? If you start praying for opportunities you might find yourself in chains. And, you know, I, I know a lot of people who are in ministry would identify with Paul's chains and say, hey, yeah, I've been in ministry and I'm tired. Sometimes I've agreed to do this, you know, kids' church thing and yet it's just taken the whole day and I'm exhausted. You know, I've done this uh, with my small group and I've put together this study and it really didn't go like I hoped it would. And we can get discouraged and people can get attacked and people can get in trouble with their, you know, just feeling about how they've been doing ministry. And they need our prayers because I think Satan just wants to take people out who are high profile in church, you know, who are leaders, who are in there. So you, we, we need to pray. Pray for Kerry over in Albury with her ministry and the church that's there. Pray for the leaders there. Keep praying for them. Let's continue to be those that pray for people as they face uh, hardships and are, and are in, in, in chains. And Paul also says pray that their ministry would be clear and focused. So pray for open doors. Pray for them when they face their struggles, like in their chains, and pray that their ministry would be clear and focused. Paul gives us some clear examples there. And he says... He goes on and says, live wisely. There's those notes there. We'll just skip over those. Live wisely, he says. Live wisely among those who are not Christians. 
and make the most of every opportunity. Here in these verses, Paul's saying Christians need to be tactful in the way they live, yet bold in their witness for Christ. Live wisely. Don't, don't go offending people. Don't go out to poke people in the eyes as Christians. We can really do this, can't we? I mean, we, can, we know what is right and what is God's way to live. And yet sometimes because we know what is right and what is God's way to live, we can get more judgmental than loving and gracious. Uh, it says live wisely among those who are not Christians. You know, don't be full of judgment. Don't be people that are doing silly things in the way that we live. Don't be those that are demonstrating a sinful life and claiming to be those that follow Jesus. Don't be just going and living one way and saying that Christ lives in you and yet just openly, continually sinning. That would be silly, wouldn't it? Live wisely as Christians because people are looking at us and wanting to see us. And then the next phrase, make the most of every opportunity. This is a business kind of phrase. It means to buy up. You know when you're walking through mire or something and you see your underarm deodorant on special and you, that wouldn't be in mire, would it? it would be in Target or something. And, uh, Safeway? Sorry. <laughs> but you see it on special anyway and you think, oh, great. I'll get 10 of them and I'll store them up. You know, you see an opportunity and you go for it and you don't hold back. And so here it is, living wisely amongst people that aren't Christians. So in your workplace or in your home and not offending unnecessarily, but letting people know that you belong to Jesus, living lives that reflect that. And then when opportunities arise, make the most of them. Fill up your trolley when they happen. And they will happen as you keep praying for opportunities, as you keep praying for opportunities for, for God to open up people's hearts. I've had many times of these. I remember when I was at AMP, everybody knew I was a Christian and everybody knew that I was growing in my desire to go into, uh, into Bible college. And it, it, it was, uh, I didn't rave on about it, but when I went to leave on the night when I was leaving, they had a party and People just got more and more drunk as the night went on, but more and more opened up about things that they were wanting to talk about and to share. And in the end, there were many great, great conversations. But I never preached, uh, you know, sort of told people, but so many people wanted to know and there were so many opportunities that I just was able to take advantage of. And you find that too, don't you? I mean, the more and more you wait and pray, God provides opportunities that you can take the most of. So live wisely. Be tactful yet bold as Christians. Uh, show a life of love and grace and then make the most of every opportunity. Buy up. And then Paul says also, speak graciously. Now, if you're looking at your passage and realising what the time is, we're just going to skip over those last verses quickly at the end. So don't panic, all right? We're going to be right. But here Paul says, speak graciously. Let your conversation be gracious and effective so that you will have the right answer for everyone. Here Paul is saying, 
as we as we deal with those who are outsiders, as we re- re- relate to them, we're to have speech that is gracious and full of wisdom, just like Paul desires his own life to be. So speak graciously, show wisdom in the way that you live. And you know, they've, the, the people in Coloss- Colossae have actually received God's grace and now show that grace to other people. Have you ever met people who are Christians and you sort of think, why would I ever want to be a Christian? You know, they're, they're so harsh, they're so judgmental, they're like, you know, now that they've become a Christian, they don't do anything uh, at all, anything bad or good. They just be, you know, uh, against everything that's happened. And uh, we're not to be like that. We're to be people that are uh, encouraging, gracious and full of love in the way that we live. I wonder how you talk to those who are far from God. Are you gracious and effective? You know, some translations say, be like salt, you know, season. May your conversations be ones that have flavour so that when people talk to you, they're really interested in knowing what's happened in your life and who Christ is and what he's doing in your life. Is that how you are? Are you gracious? Are you salty? That's what Paul asks us to do, to live wisely and to speak graciously. Now, in the next few verses, in the next verses to the end of the chapter, Paul just talks about some of his great friends that have been part of ministry. He goes right through and he talks about a number of different people. And there are some incredible names that you see here on the list. Some are Dr. Luke, who, who wrote, the, wrote Acts and uh, the, the Gospel of Luke. There's Mark, who wrote the book of Mark as well. And we see right there that Mark had had a conflict with Paul. And now they're sort of restored. And he's saying, you know, if Mark comes to you, welcome him. There's also Onesimus, who, who's the slave. And Philemon is the book that... Uh, that Paul wrote to Philemon, who was Onesimus' slave owner, and he's sending Onesimus back to Colossae. And he's saying, you know, now he's in the Lord. He's a brother. Receive him as a brother. So also, so there's some dear friends. There's one here, uh, dear Dr. Luke sends his greetings, and so does Demas. And Demas was first mentioned as one uh, in, in another letter as someone who was, a, who was a great help. Then he just says, and so does Demas. He just mentions him. But then in 2 Timothy, we read that Demas has gone away and he's forsaken um, the gospel and is now being caught up with things of the world. And you see, there are some of Paul's dear friends that didn't persevere with him. But, you know, I think when you look at this, I think of us as a church and just think we're in this together. We're not alone. I just love the fact that we have such a great, great team of people uh, that Joan's out there now giving it all for Kids Church right now. Friday night, Phil's got all the youth going crazy. And, uh, you know, that uh, Gail's uh, out meeting people and visiting and empowering people as well. And that you, small group leaders, helpers, everybody, as we go out into the world each week, we're making a difference together. And I think Paul knew that one person can't do it alone. We need each other and we need to value each other and we need to encourage each other and spur each other on so that Christ in us can be known in all of Wodonga, that people can come to know him. Uh, I can't go to your workplace, but you certainly can. 
I can't be in your family, but you can. We need each other to reach all that God wants us to reach. So Paul finishes and he picks up the pen out of uh, the writer's hand and he says, Paul, I write this with my own hand. And you can see maybe in your uh, verses at the end there, he wrote, there's just a big Paul in capital letters in mine. And what he would have done is he would have taken the, the, the uh, writing implement and he would have just grabbed it to show this was actually written by the hand of Paul. Then he finishes off and he says, remember my chains. Maybe this is a subtle thing to say, you know, I want to be out of here so I can be more effective. Remember my chains, pray. And then he finishes and says, may the grace of God be with you. What a letter. What an incredible letter that Paul has written. In such a short uh, book, he's shown that Christ is above all and Christ lives in us. And this is the guarantee that one day we'll be with him. Let's pray, shall we? Oh God, we want to thank you so much for all that you have taught us and shown us through this book of Colossae. We just thank you for the way in which you've spoken to us about your son, Jesus, and shown us that above all else, he reigns. We just long for the day that we go to be with you forever. We just pray, God, that us as a church would be just like that church in Colossae, one that responds to Paul's words and makes a difference in its town. God, we pray that we'd make a great difference as we cling to you in this city, in Wodonga, in Albury, and in this whole region. Oh, God, we lift you up this morning and we say, be glorified, be seen in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'd just love you to take out the blue cards now, which are in your news sheet. I'd just love you to respond. Maybe there's something this morning that you'd like us to be persisting in prayer with with you. Maybe there's a prayer need that you have or someone you'd like us to pray for. Maybe there's a decision that you're wanting to make. I'll just give you a few moments just to respond now at this time. Let's fill those out.